Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. We dive into stories of true crime, from unsolved cold cases to historic kidnapping to gangsters and beyond. We are your source for true crime. We thank you for listening. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. I'm your host, Larry Lease. And on today's episode, we're diving into the life of Michael Franzis. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Pondex, for sponsoring this episode. Check them out today at pondex.com. Use the promo code LARRY21 for 10% off your order. And you can also be a part of the show. Send us a voicemail at 682-305-0483. And now on to today's topic. Michael Franzese was born on May 27th, 1951, in the Brooklyn borough of New York City to John Sonny Franzese, the Colombo crime family underboss. Although Michael had initially questioned his actual biological father, Franzese had initially believed that he had been adopted by John after his mother divorced Frank Grillo, whom Franzese thought to be his biological father. Michael says he had gone by the name Michael Grillo until he was 18 years old. However, it was later discovered that John, already married with 30 children, had gotten a 16-year-old girl at the Stork Club in Manhattan pregnant with Michael. So she married Grillo to avoid having a scandal surrounding having a child out of wedlock. After the mom allowed John to divorce his first wife, Grillo disappeared and he married the 16-year-old. Francis later moved to Long Island after finishing high school. He entered a pre-med program at Hofstra University in 1969. His father originally did not want him to be involved in organized crime. However, in 1971, he decided to drop out of college to help his family earn money when his father was sentenced to 50 years in prison for bank robbery in 1967. Michael became acquainted with his father's friends, such as Joseph Colombo, and according to him, later became inducted as a made man on Halloween night in 1975. As part of the ceremony, Michael Francis took the blood oath and swore omerta. He took the oath alongside friend Jimmy Angelino, Joseph Pereno Jr., Salvatore, Vito Guzzo Sr., and John Minerva, all of whom, except 
Salvatore died violently over the next 20 years. Although Francis recounts the ceremony had taken place in 1975, membership books reportedly were not reopened until 1976. He was briefly mentored by Colombo soldier Joseph Vitaco, Vitaco, however you say his last name. During the late 1970s, Michael Francis met with the Gambino crime family boss, John Gotti, who was then a soldier. Angelo Ruggiero was also present. Michael was contacted by a flea market owner who complained that his partner was using and selling drugs at the market in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Michael agreed to frighten him and become the new partner. Michael sent Colombo soldier turned informant, Anthony Saravola, and another member who remains unidentified. Gotti, however, claimed that the scared-off partner was an associate of his. Michael later expressed admiration for John Gotti, citing a strict mobster lifestyle and his overwhelming ego. In 1981, Michael was contacted by Lawrence Salvatore, who had developed a scheme to defraud the federal government out of gasoline taxes in 1985. Uh, Lawrence was being hassled by criminals in California and offered Michael a percentage if he would defend and solve the issue. The pair set up 18 stock bearer companies based in Panama. Under law at the time in Panama, gasoline could be sold tax-free from one wholesale company to the next. Michael partnered with the Russian mafia in Brooklyn in the gas scheme. The wholesale gas was sold to one company but shipped to another company, while a third company, a dummy company, was sold the gasoline on paper and would forge tax documents for the company that received the gasoline. Michael's crew was then able to collect and pocket the nine cents per gallon of gasoline and federal tax. Once enforcement agents attempt to collect the tax from the dumping care company, it declares bankruptcy and the daisy chain would continue. The gasoline supply between one third and one half of all gasoline sold in the New York metropolitan area. According to officials, Michael kept 75% of the profits, making $1.26 million per month. An associate also uh, later testified that Michael personally made $1 million per week from the gas scheme. Michael claimed at the height of his career he generated up to $8 million per week. Revenue officials estimated $250 million in gas tax was stolen in New York State per year. Before moving on to Florida, which was estimated to have lost $40 million to $250 million in stolen gas tax. Authorities believe the money was laundered through Michael's film production company, Miami Gold, to offshore bank accounts in Austria and Panama. Michael bought a home in Delray Beach, Florida. And in 1986, Fortune magazine listed Michael as number 18 on its list of the 50 most wealthy and powerful mafia bosses. Vanity Fair cited him as one of the biggest money earners for the mafia since Al Capone. He was referred to as the Yuppie Don in the 1980s and as Prince of the Mafia. During the 1970s, he began to enter the world of legitimate business by the mid-1980s. He had a stronghold on various businesses, such as car dealerships, leasing companies, auto repair shops, restaurants, nightclubs, uh, movie production and distribution companies, travel agencies, video stores. By 1980, Michael was a partner with booking agent Norby Walters and his firm. firm excuse me. Michael's role was to intimidate existing and prospective clients. Michael would later testify he provided the initial $50,000 to Walters to start his agency booking company with a 25% share of any profits. 
Additionally, he would assist with any entertainers Walters had problems with by meeting their agents. Michael successfully extorted a role for Walters in the U.S. tour by singer Michael Jackson and his brothers. In 1982, the manager for singer Dionne Warwick wanted to drop Walters as an agent. Michael met with the manager and persuaded him to keep Walters. In 1983, the FBI launched an investigation into boxing promoter Don King's organized crime connections and targeted Michael to introduce an FBI undercover agent. Using the alias Victor Quintana to King, Michael, who had never met King, says he was introduced to him by civil rights leader Al Sharpton. Michael claimed he first met Sharpton through the Genovese crime family mobster Daniel Pagano. Quintana was to give the impression that he was buying his way into the boxing world in order for King to reveal his criminal associations. However, the investigation collapsed after Quintana failed to follow through with several hundred thousand dollars. In 1985, Walters set up a sports management agency with Michael as a silent partner. At a meeting, he agreed to hand over $50,000 in return for a 25% interest from the sports agency. Michael was the president of Miami Gold, a film production company that produced the 1986 film Knights of the City. And now we're going to dive into his indictment in prison. But before we do, please hit that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up if you like our video. Subscribe to the channel. And if you like our content, consider buying us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNS. In April 1985, Michael was acquitted of racketeering charges. In another case in December 1985, Michael was charged in both Florida and New York in regards to counterfeiting and extortion from the gasoline bootlegging racket. In New York, Michael was one of nine people indicted on 14 counts. In Florida, Michael was one of 26 people indicted on 177 counts after a 16-month investigation in Florida called Operation Tiger Tail. Lorizo, who was already sentenced to five years in order to pay $1.7 million for his role in the theft of $1.1 million in gas ta- taxes and placed into the Witness Protection Program, began testifying against Michael Francis and others in their operation in March 1985. On March 2, 1986, Michael Francis pleaded guilty to one count of racketeering conspiracy and one t- count of tax conspiracy. Michael Francis was sentenced to 10 years in prison and ordered to pay $14.7 million in restitution on the federal charges, agreeing to sell his assets, including a mansion in Old Brookville, New York, the Miami Gold Production Company, and use proceeds from the Knights of the City film. He then reached a plea agreement and was sentenced to nine years in prison for state racketeering charges in Florida, which would run concurrently with his previous conviction. He also was ordered to pay an additional $3 million in restitution to the state of Florida. Michael was subpoenaed to testify at Walter's trial in March 1989. As Walters had invoked his name to frighten college athletes into signing management contracts, including Maurice Douglas. In exchange for his testimony, he was given immunity from prosecution in the Walters case. Walters was found guilty, fined over $300,000, and given a sentence of five years with the judge in the case citing the importance of Michael Francis's testimony. After Walters' conviction, Francis was released from prison on parole after serving 43 months. In September 1990, Walters' conviction was overturned by the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, citing a technicality. On December 27, 1991, 
Michael Francis was sentenced in New York to four years of federal prison for violating the probation requirements from his 1989 release. Michael Francis had been arrested in Los Angeles on a tax fraud ac accusation and was sent back to New York for the probation hearing. In court, prosecutors complained that he had only started paying the balance of his court-ordered restitution payments earlier that year. The prosecutor said, quote, Mr. Francis has led the government on a long, merry chase for a number of years. He gave us nothing of value about anyone in Cosa Nostra. We essentially view him as a con man. The prosecutor said that he was no longer considered by the government to be a federal cooperating witness because of his parole violations. He was released from prison on November 7, 1994, retiring from the mob in 95 by moving to California with his wife and children. The relocation was also a result of receiving multiple death threats and contracts on his life, including one approved by his own father. Since his release in 94, Francis has publicly renounced and denounced the life of organized crime, stating, quote, I never glamorize my mob life. It's an evil life, and I don't know one family that's part of the life that hasn't been totally devastated. He's since become a motivational speaker for youth at schools, prisons, and other venues. In 2010, Francis' brother, John Francis Jr., testified against his father in a racketeering case after wearing a wire during conversation with his father. Michael described his brother as a nobody in the mob life, and that his father felt sick that his son had betrayed him like this. His father was sentenced to eight years in prison and was released from prison in 2017 at the age of 100, dying just three years later. Let us know your thoughts in the comments section below. Um, do you know much about Michael Francis? Let us know. As always, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and, and subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms. As always, thank you so much for watching and listening. We will see you next time. You have been listening to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps podcast and on Twitter at True Crime NS. And follow us on Instagram at True Crime Never Sleeps. Thanks for watching. If you want to support the show, buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com/tcnn or become a patron at patreon.com/truecrimeneversleep.